0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't
2: fathom it.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
2: Yeah, live across the world on the internet, and of course, uh, you know, uh, at the website at michaeldukeshow.com, where we've got... Tons of stuff, including links to the um, podcast, which is available each and every day. Um, wherever podcasts, wherever you find your podcast, Castbox, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and of course, Spotify. Uh, we also have links to our social media sites where you can see all the good stuff that's being brought to. Um, uh, and simulcast from the radio show. And, of course, the radio itself, um, uh, you know, right here. or where across the state of Alaska on your favorite radio station and or FM translator. That's what it's all about. It's all it's all here. It's um, <clears throat> it's Monday. It's it's Monday. <laughs> Welcome to it. I can't believe I can't believe I can't believe it's not butter and I can't believe it's Monday. Uh, nice and warm this morning here at the old radio ranch, 21 degrees outside the uh, studios here. Um, apparently raining and uh, frozen rain on the ground down on the peninsula, part of Homer and things like that. And I haven't gotten the weather update yet from uh, Fairbanks, but I'm sure it's probably a little bit warmer than it was. Nice, nice. Better than, uh, better than the four degrees we've been experiencing. So who am I to complain? Who? Well, I mean, you know, Uh, anyway, welcome to the program and thanks for coming in and joining us. Uh, just, uh, just another beautiful Monday, 20 days till Christmas. Just thought I'd throw that out there for you. 20 days till Christmas. I hope you got all your Christmas shopping done and you are ready to, uh, you're ready to enjoy that holiday season. I know that I am, um, almost ready, almost this, this close, I'm this close to being ready. Um, and uh, I, I just I, I tell you, I am ready for my uh, holiday vacation, uh, which for those of you who are new to the program. And I know that there are a few of you because uh, I received a couple of emails here over the last couple of weeks for people who said I just discovered your show. So. Ah, uh, thank you for discovering the show, and thank you for sticking with me. Um, the uh, the over the holidays, I always uh, take off. Um, I always take off some time there, basically right before Christmas Eve and all the way through New Year's. So, I know some of you are like Jones, and you're going to be like, I can't, wanna, oh, I know, I know, but uh, it's for my sanity. I need it. For my sanity, by this time of year, I am, oh, I'm already just head exploding, blood shooting out of my eyes. And I'm ready to, uh, I'm ready to just relax in the silence. I'm going to suffer in silence. No, I'm not going to suffer. I'm going to relax in the silence. And so uh, I will be off starting on um, Thursday, the uh, 20th second thursday the 22nd and i will be gone all the way through new years i will be returning to the airwaves on monday the 2nd so from the 22nd to the 2nd um so just in case you were wondering that's you know be be aware be aware uh that's where we're going and that's where we're doing okay so uh what do we got uh going on on today's program well we're going to we're gonna cruise through some headlines here in uh, in a few minutes and we're gonna we're gonna dive in and start uh, we're gonna start on that uh, here in uh, in just a few and then we're going to uh, we're gonna have some conversations with you about the headlines uh, what what are your thoughts on everything that's going on and more we'll uh, dive into those things and then in hour two we'll be talking with. Uh, Rob Myers, uh, Senator. I'm sorry, I forgot the honorific. Senator Rob Myers, who's going to give us his thoughts on uh, who's going to give us his thoughts on uh, the upcoming session and the makeup of the legislative majority, the senatorial majority, and everything else. We're going to just see what his thoughts are on the hot, 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 hot mess. That the upcoming uh, legislative session is going to be, and uh, I guess his thoughts on the election, since we haven't, um, since we haven't talked to him in quite a while, we'll get that as well. So uh, he's coming up in hour two today, and uh, we're gonna go, we're gonna go through it. Um, I will say I spent a good part of the weekend. Uh, I know I told you last Monday my tale of woe uh, for. Um, the studio. Uh, I spent a good part of this last weekend. Uh, also finishing up. I got my old computer running again. Don't ask me how. Uh, and uh, and here we are. We're we're running in the new studio. Uh, I've got about uh, three quarters of the stuff done. I don't have my new. I don't have my new production mixer or anything else in here. But uh, I'm feeling a lot better. I'm feeling a lot better. It was a little. Uh, it was a little claustrophobic and chaotic last week when I had stuff stacked everywhere, trying to run the whole thing on a shoestring. So, I mean, this really is a low-budget radio show. You know what I mean? I mean, low-budget in the terms that I'm the only guy that does anything around here. I'm the I'm the engineer. I'm the producer. I'm the I'm the host. I do it all. So, it was. Um, I feel. I I guess. Uh, what? what uh, not satisfied. What do I? What? How do I feel? <clears throat> This happens when you get older, folks. You lose a word and you can't remember what it was. I guess I feel some satisfaction. Accomplishment. That's the word I was looking for. Accomplishment. I feel accomplishment. Whew, man, that was a, was a long journey for that word to come up from the depths of the bottom. Um, all right. So uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to, and Brian just said accomplishment. Apparently we're on the same wavelength. So let's, um, <clears throat> I guess we should dive into some of the headlines here. Um, and talk about a few things. Uh, I got to talk a little bit about the Republican Party in the state of Alaska, and why I think why I think they are doomed to failure. That I mean, maybe that's a little overkill. Maybe that's a little bit over the top, hyperbolic. But I, but I think that's I think that's just about right. But before we get to that, the State Division of Elections certified the results of the election uh, on Wednesday. None of, um, you know, everybody signed an oath and they got it all done. Of course, we we've, we've been through the full results. Right, Dunleavy, Murkowski, Peltola, all elected. There are three races though. Three races that we're going to be watching. Very, very closely. Um, The state's closest race is the race between Tom McKay and Denny Wells. Um, And Tom McKay currently leads Denny with uh, seven votes. He went up three because it was four. And uh, he now leads Denny Wells with seven votes. Um, uh, That uh, four votes was the unofficial results a week ago. That margin, according to the ADN, is well within the range for the state paid recount, which Wells has got to request within five days. So that was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Should have been yesterday. I don't see anything about him requesting a recount. So um, I didn't see that on Must Read. I didn't see it on – I didn't see it in the ADN. I didn't see it on KTUU. So I don't know if he has. Maybe he did file it yesterday and I just don't know or maybe it's 5 business days. So maybe he has Monday and Tuesday to make the decision because it was a Wednesday announcement. You have 5 days, you know what I mean? So, uh he said that um um he said that he had not made a final decision as of Wednesday afternoon, but he was leaning towards making that request for the state paid recount. Also, last Wednesday, Stacy Stone um, said the four West Anchorage residents who had attempted to challenge the eligibility of Jenny Armstrong, uh, Representative-elect Jenny Armstrong, uh, and had their case dismissed for lack of standing because she wasn't elected, uh, officially certified yet, I think is what the judge said. Um, they're going to refile their case. So... That is going to come up, and we're going to find out whether or not Jenny Armstrong was actually a legal, lawful resident. Apparently, uh, we'll see. Well, we'll see if the we'll see if the judge actually takes the case. Uh, this going around, Armstrong uh, defeated Liz Vasquez by eight hundred and five votes, uh, but uh, those four residents have alleged that Armstrong did not live in Alaska long enough before registering as a candidate for office. The um, Um, the Anchorage judge dismissed the prior version saying it was untimely and needed to be filed after the election. And of course the big state house, uh, race that uh, everybody's been watching not to see how close it was because it was pretty much assumed that David Eastman was going to win, um, that race. Uh, and he won it with 51.3% of the vote. It didn't even have to go to a runoff inside the rank choice voting thing. Um, But uh, there was a legal challenge um, accusing him of violation of the Alaskan Constitution's disloyalty clause. He's uh, listed in the roster of Oath Keepers and as a lifetime member. Uh, Randall Kowalke, uh, a resident from the Valley, filed a lawsuit claiming that the membership violates a constitutional clause that prevents someone from holding office or working for the state if they belong to or support a group that advocates the overthrow of the U.S. government by force. The trial has been set for the second full week of December um, But uh, to decide the issue, but preliminary arguments on December 8th, which of course is on uh, Thursday, could negate the need for a trial. Now, all three of those races are, could affect the <clears throat> control of the Alaska House. Final results show Republican registered candidates controlling 21 of the 41 seats in the uh, 21 of the 40 seats in the House. Now, if <clears throat> for some reason Armstrong was declared ineligible, that would make it 22 seats. So even if Louise Stutz dove, you know, uh, dives over to the Democrats as she has been wont to do. In the past, I mean, right? I mean, because with twenty-one, the twenty-one includes Louise Stutz. so Louise Stutz could run off to the Puckerbrush and uh, and go play with the Democrats, and then it would be a twenty-twenty race, which it's not going. So they're going to try and sway some members from the Republican side to come over for some kind of majority coalition caucus. I can see it already, but if Jenny Armstrong gets declared ineligible it makes it a little harder. And I think that would be a very um that'll be a very interesting interesting results. I mean, we're going to be watching really closely. I'll be watching um for the uh for the Wednesday um uh, or excuse me, for the Thursday hearings and the arguments on Thursday. We'll see what comes out of that. But these these are the three these are the three uh seats that we're going to be watching. And concerned about McKay's seat, uh, Liz Vasquez, Jenny Armstrong, and uh, David Eastman. We'll see what comes out of that. But that's really the only big thing on the horizon. And of course, waiting to see what the House is going to do once those races are ready to go. Um, All right. Well, I guess we're up against the break and we're ready to. We're ready to wander away here. We're going to be back in just a minute. We're going to talk about some censors. Censure. Censure. Is it censorship? Say that three times fast. Censorship. It's different than censorship. It's censorship. Uh, We're going to talk about that and the Republican Party. And why I think that if they don't figure out what's going on, they're going to doom themselves to ultimate failure. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thinking radio.
0: If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
2: Hi, how are you? I feel tired. I want to go back to bed. Yeah, I'm feeling you. I'm feeling you. I mean, the weekend was good, but these last two weekends, I've been, but you want to see what it looks like? You want to see, let me, let me, uh, excuse me while I whip this out. Uh, Let me tell you all about the, come on, there we go, there we go. Let me give you guys a peek at what I'm looking at this morning. It's a whole different deal, baby. It's a whole different, you'll see me looking up and you'd be like, why is he looking up all the time? Well, let me tell you why I am looking up. This is a view of what it looks like in the studio this morning. (laughs) Right? So I'm looking up because now, I mean, I had to have all those different things on two screens before. All the different windows that you see there um, are on two string. Uh, two we're, were on just the top two screens, in fact, everything it was up there was on the just the top two screens. And so now I've given myself a little breathing room because, oof, and yes, there is a fifth screen behind there with the green and red button that's connecting me to the radio stations and everything. But, uh, you know, it just gives you, and, and I want to say a special thanks to the common sense core members because it was only through you with your help that I was able to get some of the new G Wiz go fast stuff to make this happen. I, uh, I mean, I really appreciate it. Um, this is going to make my life a lot easier, um, a lot easier. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my that's my view this morning um, uh, uh, from the uh, from the pilot seat. Uh, It's uh, it's looking it's looking looking pretty cool Uh, and uh, definitely a lot easier to work with than just the two screens. (laughs) Plus, I got this low profile mic boom. So it's out of the way because the mic was hanging over the monitors and it was I mean so much. Anyway, um, so that is um, just a little bit of a look of what it looks like here in the studio this morning. Um, And I'm feeling pretty good yet. Not sure yet. Pretty ridiculous way to waste money, says Kevin. Wait a second. Wait just one second. Um, All right. Uh, Thanks, Kevin, for that vote of confidence. Uh, All right. All right. looks looks like a trade station buy marijuana stock okay I mean I could I could see that I mean I could understand it looks like some Trader is in there going yeah buy sell low sell do it yeah um oh the waste of money was about the bus um yeah the bus the five hundred thousand dollars did you see that Kevin McCabe did 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 uh point that out on on Facebook um the uh the University of Alaska got a five hundred thousand dollar federal grant to um restore maintain put together the bus the end of the wild bus five hundred thousand dollars I mean I could just think of so many more things I mean if you want to put just pick it up Move it, put it on the thing, have people come look at it. I mean, it's it's good. <sighs> Harold says I've got dual 32 inch screens and an iPad. Well, I mean my 30 inch screens weren't doing it that's that's the bottom line because uh, when you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different windows open on two screens, it just you know so anyway, it's uh it's all good. It's all good. Um, well, let's get back to it, shall we? Jumping back in. Um, feel free to uh, continue to sound off. Um, it's federal funding. Who is responsible for the bus funding? I think Kevin will tell you, but I believe it was federal funding. All right. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 500,000 bucks. There's so many. different <laughs> Ow, uh, f- let's get back to it. Yes, the ding is back because otherwise I will wander. I will wander off. Uh, the Michael Luke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, uh, welcome back to the program. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to blitz your ear balls out. Um, It's, it's, I try to keep my, I try to keep myself on track. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, I'm trying to, you know, because I get talking to the, uh, I get talking to the folks in the chat room. And then the next thing you know, I've wandered off into the pucker brush somewhere and, um, I for, you know, I forget to uh I forget to uh, uh to come back to the radio. And next thing you know, I'm oh yeah, I'm on the radio. Sorry. I apologize, but that's, you know, it happens unfortunately. And uh so, uh you know, apologies, but the the dings are to keep me on track so that I don't uh so I don't waste uh, uh I don't waste a transition coming back on the air. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about um, <clears throat> let's talk about some of the other headlines. Yeah, I mean, what are the headlines that we should have covered? Um, and maybe uh, maybe Kevin McCabe wants to call in on this. I know Kevin's in the chat room, but he posted this weekend um, on Facebook that uh, the Into the Wild bus, right? The bus in Denali, the McCandles thing, where he went out to. Commune with the bears and, and died. Um, apparently, it has uh being it's been transited up to the University of Alaska, uh, Fairbanks, where the museum is going to take it over there, and the museum apparently got a five hundred thousand dollar grant. Five hundred thousand dollar grant to I don't know. Restore, install, exhibit. I don't know what the word is, but apparently, a five hundred thousand dollar grant to do something with this bus. Um, <laughs> I mean, five hundred thousand bucks to to this old, ratted out. I mean, that's got to be that's that's got to be easily. <clears throat> As old as that bus is, that's easily got to be ten or fifteen times as much as the bus cost to begin with, and now they're going to display it. And uh, yeah, I just uh, uh, so I don't know um, if uh, if uh, Representative McCabe wants to call in on that because he apparently had some of the details on it, and uh, <clears throat> and he he can he can give us the rundown on it here uh, between now and the top of the hour. That would be fine. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about the Republican Party and uh, what's happening in the state. And um, I guess who are Republicans and who are not Republicans or what the average – you know, what the average party member would consider to be a Republican? So – We start off in the Valley, District 27, which is one of the districts that is represented by David Wilson, Senator David Wilson. The District 27 Republicans in Wasilla uh, on, I guess it was on Thursday, was it Thursday? Uh, Yep, Thursday. On Thursday... The District 27 Republicans in Wasilla voted to censure Senator David Wilson for leaving the Republican caucus and joining a caucus in which Democrats hold the majority. Now, some will argue, well, that's not really the case because, uh, you know, it's a a Republican. They can't even make that argument because it's not mostly Republicans. It's actually a majority of Democrats. Um, because it is, um, <clears throat> it's, uh, what is it? It's nine and, is it nine and seven, nine, it's nine and eight, nine and eight. <laughs> so it's nine Democrats and eight Republicans. So it's not even a, a, a majority of Republicans in the caucus. Um, the district issued a stern resolution in which it said Wilson betrayed the voters of district N And ask Wilson to resign from the Democratic-led caucus. The district has also asked Wilson to return the $4,000 in funds donated to him by the Alaska Republican Party for his campaign if he doesn't quit the Democrat caucus. If he doesn't resign from the Democrat-controlled caucus, the members want Wilson to resign by Friday at 5 p.m., which obviously didn't happen. Wilson is uh, out of step with the two other senators from his district, which, of course, are Senator Shelley Hughes and Senator Mike Schauer. But don't worry, <clears throat> he got paid. The Democratic-led group put him in as a chair of the Senate Health and Social Services Committee, so it's all it's all good. Here's the resolution that the de- that the Alaska Republican Party of District 27. A resolution by the District 27 of the Alaska Republican Party finding that Senator David Wilson has engaged in actions detrimental to the Alaska Republican Party and to Republican values and goals by leaving the Republican caucus or joining a caucus in which the Democrats hold the majority when a Republican majority has been elected, contrary to the values of his constituents and the party he declared himself to be a member of in the last election. Now, I will make a note. He was offered a slot on this show several times, never wanted to come on. This was never, I mean, this was always a bad idea. Always a bad idea. Uh, Whereas David Wilson has abandoned his Republican colleagues in the Senate by leaving the Republican caucus and joining a Democratic majority caucus, and whereas Republican voters outnumber Democrat voters in District N by more than 5 to 1, whereas in joining a Democratic caucus majority David Wilson has betrayed the voters after running for office as a Republican. He's abandoned the Republican caucus without warning to the voters in his districts who have, er, would have urged him to keep faith with them and other Republican senators from the Matsu. David Wilson has joined a leftist-controlled coalition that is fundamentally at odds with the interests of the residents of the Matsu Valley. And whereas the De- Democrat majority caucus has already announced that a majority of committees in the Alaska Senate will be chaired by Democrats, even though Alaskans elected a Republican majority. Whereas Wilson received $3,000 from the Republican Senate Majority Fund in the last election, the purpose which was to ensure a Republican majority. The Republican Senate Majority Fund. And <clears throat> there's some irony in that, right? I mean, there's, there's got to be some irony in that. Whereas while a Republican candidate, Wilson received a total of $4,000 from the Alaska Republican Party, whose priorities and values he's now abandoned. Whereas the Democratic Majority Caucus has announced it will be a binding caucus, which obligates its members on certain key votes to prioritize and vote for the interest of the Democrat Majority Caucus over the interests of the Matsu residents. Now, therefore, be it resolved that District 27 hereby calls upon Senator David Wilson to immediately resign his membership uh, from the uh, caucus and that if he does not resign, um that he uh, should resign from the legislature. Therefore, be it further resolved that if Senator David Wilson has not either resigned from his membership of the Democratic Majority Caucus or resigned from the legislature, we find that Senator David Wilson has been censured by the number of voting members of District N noted below that reside in District 27 for leaving the Republican caucus and joining a Democratic Majority Caucus when the majority Republican senators were elected therefore be it resolved they accepted and passed with all it was a unanimous decision all zero members of the committee voting against so <clears throat> that's some mighty strong language there young lady um yeah mighty strong language what does it do mm, not much I mean, I like to see it. Don't get me wrong. I feel good about it. I love, you know, I love the fact that you're standing up and taking aim at this. But what has it done in the past? What has it done in the past? Uh, Nothing that I can think of. In fact, there's right next to this one, right next to this article uh, about David Wilson censure is another headline. From must read, this one reads: "Admitting defeat, Alaska Republican Party lifts censure on Senator Alex Merrick and U.S. Senator Murkowski." The that I mean that that's there you go, there you go. The Alaska Republican Party has lifted its censure of two elected Republicans. That means that Senator Lisa Murkowski, uh, Murkowski, who was censured by the party in 2021, is back in the good graces with the Alaska Republican Party. Although Murkowski endorsed Mary Peltola for Congress rather than a Republican, and although she resigned from her honorary position with the party in 2016 over her objection to then-presidential nominee Donald Trump, the state political party has accepted her return as their most senior elected leader. Murkowski, who is pro-abortion, pro-Respect for Marriage Act, and generally pro-Joe Biden, has essentially defeated the Republican Party. The party has also admitted defeat to Senator Mitch McConnell, who fought against the state party's choice of Kelly Shabaka, and spent $7 million to shore up Murkowski and defeat the state party's nominee. The party then also lifted the censure of Senator-elect Kelly Merrick, who won over Republican Ken McCarty this year, For the state Senate seat to represent Eagle River, Merrick has the support of Democrats and big labor unions, but was censured by the party two years ago after she organized with the Democrats in the House, where she served for four years in exchange for a co-chair finance seat. Saturday's votes include the agreement to not censure candidates until after 2024 state convention, which will be held in Anchorage. Who cares? Who cares? Your censures don't mean jack. Who cares? You censured Kelly Merrick, nothing happened. You censured Lisa Murkowski, nothing happened. So who cares? I mean, I'll be honest with you. This to me is a prime example of why I think the Republican Party has damaged itself so severely in this state that it's going to be relegated to, I mean, eventually what you'll see is it will just. I mean I don't know this, there, another party's got to come out something because I mean what's the point what's the point of running as a Republican what's the point of running as a Republican under Republican values and uh, you know uh, you know, uh, if, if this is the mamby pambiness that the party um, is going to do Right. I mean, we didn't see the letter of rebuke to Mitch McConnell was more of a please, sir, please don't hit us again. Instead of a stand up and shake a fist in his face, name, you know, call him by name, call out. It was, again, Mamby Pamby. And we just we didn't see the same level of support For Chewbacca, that we've seen in the past for uh, other national candidates. And then again, this. Well, we're just going to go ahead and we'll just reverse the. You know, did anything that happened in this election convince you that somehow Lisa Murkowski should be back in the good graces of the Republican Party? Uh, I mean, right? Just because she outlasted the censure and is like, oh, I, you know, that that's the answer? I mean, you guys have got to do something about your party. You have got to do something about your party because it is a hot, 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 hot mess. All right, we got to, uh, we got to go. Um, we'll be back in just a moment The Michael Duke Show Common Sense Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio I'll open up the phone lines in the next segment if you want to sound off on this love to hear what you have to say we'll be back with more right after this
0: Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
2: Okay. (laughs) Not my party, says Michael. Well, I mean, yeah it's uh, i don't know uh, i i don't know what to say uh willie says willie went says uh mean it doesn't mean jack is rather strong well you tell me willie what exactly does it mean what exactly did it do what exactly hello uh, I'm waiting. What exactly does that mean? That you know, if 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 it doesn't mean Jack, and if that's too strong, then what does a censure mean? Oh, here's something I agree with Harold on. Hold on, I should put a gasp or something on there. I agreed with Harold. David Wilson is proof that there's not enough horses in the barn to pull the to pull the to pull the. Carriage, I think, is what he meant. The Alaska GOP routinely sends turncoats to Juneau, and they don't even care. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, They even, every censured candidate won their race. <laughs> That's true. I didn't even think about that. Every censured candidate, because you had Lisa Murkowski, Kelly Merrick, and Click Bishop. Was there another one? Kevin, was there another one? But I think those were the three. All three of them won. Jenny says, I'm leaving the Republican Party. I'm done with them. And Sandy said, uh, Sandy said uh, uh, the same thing. They're a joke. I'm leaving it. Um, it would seem that the Republican Party would rather waste time fighting each other over who is going to drive the car instead of picking the best driver and moving forward, says Richard. Yeah. That's that's uh, pretty much, you know, Tyler. uh, Good to see you, Tyler, by the way. Hopefully conservative Republicans realize how messed up their party is and finally leave it. I mean, because I don't know. It's either that or fix it. And there just doesn't seem to be the will to fix it. Um, Kelly Merrick won her seat because Laura Reinbold refused to endorse Ken McCarty. She owns it. Come on. I mean, it would have been nice to have her endorsement of Ken McCarty, but are you telling me that Laura Reinbolt's constituents couldn't see the difference between Kelly Merrick and Ken McCarty and they needed Laura to point it out to them? That's some poochwa right there. It would have been nicer. It probably would have made it was, you know, probably would have been a little stronger. And I don't know why Laura wouldn't, but, you know, Are you telling me that that's the only reason is because Laura holds that much sway? That's, I'm sorry, David. Um, I'm not buying what you're selling on that one. Um, Maybe the ranked choice voting is a blessing in disguise for the Republican Party. Here's an odd thought, says Brian. Maybe? I don't know. Um, um, let's see. Not the jungle. Now the jungle primary makes it worse. You could change your party affiliation to an R up to 24 hours to the piling date with no knowledge or permission or vetting from the party. Yeah. So, uh, They don't want, uh, they don't want to fix because they would actually have to, (laughs) Richard, they don't want it fixed because they would actually have to do what they were elected to do rather than engage in political and theater the entire term. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. This two party dichotomy is just killing me. Just killing me. Um, I mean, maybe you know, the Alaska independence party or the Alaska libertarian party. I mean, yeah. Well, here's Chris on Twitch. While Republicans were voting harder, censured politicians were centralizing power with special interests. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. They should, they should have censured Geisel. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. um, Leave the party of rhinos and start a new one. Conservative party that vets and hold candidates' feats to the fire. Well, again, the whole problem, as Kevin points out, is that the new jungle primary system is going to make that a hot, 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 hot mess. You have no idea. I mean, you could have a, some kind of conservative party, you know, Alaska, the Alaska Sourdough Party. And you could hold it and have all these things, but the problem is with the jungle primary, as you said, You could change your party affiliation up to 24 hours prior to, nobody would know. No vetting, no nothing. (laughs) It's sad, but most people vote for the name they hear the most. Well, yeah, that's kind of, you know. Oh, I agreed with Harold twice in one day. Two parties in Alaska, the Democratic Party and the other Democratic Party. Yes, yes it is. Okay. One final segment before we uh, run the clock out here. Are you guys ready? Uh you guys ready? Uh let's uh let's let's take on some phone calls, shall we? 907-433-3150 907-433 3150. Phone lines are open right now. We're getting ready to take your calls to see what you guys uh, have to say on any of these. I mean, do you think I'm out of line? <clears throat> uh, somebody in the chat room said that I was a little harsh. Um, that um, uh, when I said that the censure just doesn't mean Jack, Willie in the chat room said, Well, that's rather strong. So what does it mean? I mean, what does it mean to be censured? If it doesn't matter, and they basically in the end rolled over and wetted on themselves and said, okay, you're not censured anymore. You you outlasted us. Then what does it matter? Right? I mean, I'm asking for a friend. You know, somebody wanna somebody wanna hook me up on this and tell me what is it what does it mean? What does it matter? If nothing happens, and what's David Wilson gonna do? Nothing. I mean, let's face it. um, uh, uh, Kevin 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 McCabe uh, uh, mentioned it in the chat room. Every censured candidate won their race. So, do people even care about the party anymore? Do they even care about what the party says? I mean, Murkowski was censured, Merrick was censured, and Click Bishop was censured. And Click Bishop won by like, with 75% of the vote. So does it even, does it even matter anymore? I mean, there's just no, you know, what's going on? Um... I'd I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Give me uh, give me your thoughts. Tell me what you are thinking uh, when it comes down to this. Let's uh, jump on over to the phones and uh, and get your get your hot take on this uh, on this uh, thought process here. Uh, we'll start off over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
1: name is gene i'm calling from Angeles city philippines
2: Oh, uh, good morning gene what's on your mind
1: ah sir it's almost midnight my time
2: <laughs> okay, there you go
1: yeah i just wanted to call in real quick i am an alaskan uh, listen to you guys in my evening time and always enjoy it just wanted to let you know that that You're listened in more places than what you may
2: think. (laughs) That's nice to hear. Well, I appreciate you tuning in and listening. And uh, any thoughts on what happened over the election here?
1: Uh, You mean the midterm? Yes. Uh, (laughs) Donald Trump is his own worst enemy.
2: I would not disagree with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, I heard earlier in the day, my time, now he's on his social media. I've really won. And if I get back in, I'll do away with the U.S. Constitution.
2: Yeah. That's scary. I, I saw that. Um, I I saw that. Uh, that. Uh, I, I didn't even know what to say to that. I just don't even know what to say to that. So I agree with you on that for sure. So, well, Gene, um, thank you for calling us from the Philippines. I appreciate that. And uh, uh, do you ever get back to Alaska? You live there full time? Are you just visiting or what are you doing?
1: Well, been here 16 years now. We work with the street children here.
2: Oh, Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Good luck with your work. Thanks for for calling in and thanks for listening. We appreciate you being part of the uh, program today. That's Gene. Uh, Alaskan calling in from the Philippines. I appreciate that. Um, All right. It's probably a little warmer there than it is here. (laughs) A little warmer there than it is here. That leaves the lines open at 907 433 3150. I really, I kind of want to know what your guys' thoughts are on the, uh, you know, on the censure. Uh, Should, does it even matter? Does it even matter? Do you think it's going to, uh, I mean, obviously, David Wilson didn't even, he didn't resign. He didn't uh, back out of the caucus. He didn't do anything. So he's obviously just going to be like, yeah, whatever. I mean, which is exactly what Click Bishop and Lisa Murkowski and Kelly Merrick did. Yeah, whatever. We got the special interests. We've got the monies. We've got the unions behind us. We've got all that. So whatever, doesn't really matter. So what difference does it make? To quote someone, what difference does it make? Nine zero seven four three three thirty one fifty. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Morning, Randy. What's on your mind?
3: Oh, uh, just speaking of, we got the unions behind us and everything. I listened to the most amazing show yesterday. It was on a different radio station, I must confess, but I was just happened to stumble into it in, while driving in my car. It was on KFBC, actually 970. Sorry for re- telling you a different station uh, ID there, but uh, this is such a good show that uh, I thought I would just have to mention it. And it's uh, it was a pod, It was the Sunday night podcast on that radio station, and um, it was from eight to nine, and it was a podcast called Red Pilled America that I had never listened to or bothered to listen to before. But, uh, uh, what it was is talking about the history of collective bargaining for public employees and, and the history of it. And when it first started, you know, and they even mentioned how Franklin, uh, De- president Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was kind of like the father of collective bargaining for the private sector had said that this is, that got no place for collective bargaining in the, in the public sector that was just something that everyone figured that doesn't make any sense you know I mean you could see that in some coal mines you know private coal mines and big giant factories where they're competing against each other and they're cutting their expenses to the bone and everything the poor workers maybe are getting a short hand of it or something and they need some powerful unions or whatever but anyway but not in the public sector sector because you know governments don't compete with each other they're just there the blob blobs, you know but but anyway uh, I found out that the first place to have public sector collective bargaining, and I'm not talking about public unions. It's okay to have a public union, but there should be no collective bargaining in my view. But they talked; they said in this uh, podcast that last night that I listened to that it, in 1957, it was Philadelphia that first brought it about on a city basis. And then uh, I guess the first uh, state to do it was Wisconsin, even though back in 2011 they kind of started rescinding going back. Back on that, which is good. And, uh, and then they talked about the history of the uh, crash, the near bankruptcy. And New York City caught on to this too early on. And then um, and they just about went defunct and bankrupt back in uh, 1974. I remember that myself, you know, listening to that way back when. But uh, uh, they got fine. Ultimately, uh, uh, President Gerald Ford at the time said, no, we're not going to bail them out. But ultimately, he, he caved in and, and bailed them out. Which just strengthened the, the 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 collective bargaining movement to take over cities and drive a bunch of cities to near bankruptcy because they'll get bailed out again. Right. Anyway, I just thought I'd mention it. What a good well, I'm, you know, I'm surprised <laughs> that anyone brought that up. You know, usually people don't mention anything about collective bargaining and public employees, and, and, and I've always hoped that we'd get rid of it here in this state and repeal the uh, the Public Employment Relations Act here in this state.
2: No, it is definitely, uh, it is definitely an interesting conversation. And yes, I remember that uh, in reading about, you know, the up, the strength in the uh, Tammany Hall, uh, which was a big part of the New York, uh, you know, politics machine. They were some of the first ones also to talk about unionizing uh, 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 government employees and some of those other things. And there were Uh, Several great minds at the time who said this was a mistake, Uh, just as just as FDR said that the public bargaining, um, collective bargaining was a mistake as well. Um, And I agree. I mean, you can look at what it's done to the rates and to the costs of, um, you know, benefits and everything else here in the in the uh, in the country for all of these states. It is one of the largest escalators of government budgets that we see i mean it is the single largest escalator of government budgets that we see randy thank you for your call um <clears throat> i've got two more lines on hold i'm going to talk to them during the break but we got rob meyer coming up here in just a few moments we will continue the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio don't forget tomorrow on the program we're going to be talking with brad keith lee for our weekly top three and chris story who's going to come in for the weekly uplift as well uh still working on more hoping to have mike shower on wednesday and uh we're going to see if we can get some other members of maybe the majority on we'll see what happens back with more of the michael luke show all right let's go over to the lines here that um were on hold when we got done there. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
4: Yeah, this is John calling from Delta Junction. How are you this morning,
2: Michael? Good morning, John. What's on your mind, sir?
4: Yeah, I totally agree with you that the censures are completely meaningless. And one of the reasons that it is is because it's the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. So the political process that we were used to Participating in where where uh what it was one man one vote and you just read what was in the newspaper and then you went and voted based on what you saw that no longer applies because there are money uh people that have a political agenda and they can flood the airwaves with information and they can influence things well, look at what happened with tw- Twitter. You've got an idea that there's a political state that's controlling everything, and us, we as citizens, think that there's a way that we can do something about that. It's totally ridiculous. And so, uh, you know, it's sad to say that we we don't have a political system that the voters have much to say about anymore, but when you look at what the big-money people have done and how it is there were so many people that didn't like Lisa Murkowski, but you know what? She's never going to be out of office, not unless she dies, because of the backing that she has right. from the political operation in Washington D.C.
2: Right. The and machine. so
4: we, need, as citizens, we just need to accept that because it, it's meaningless for us to try and to get her out of office because she's got it, millions of dollars to work with, and if she needs billions, believe me. Our our China backed people, such as Mitch McConnell, who's gotten over $250 million from China, are they going to have the money to be able to make sure that they put the people in office that they want? And so. I'm sorry to, to tell all the Alaskans that, but, hey, that's just the way things are, and it's sad.
2: Yeah. Well, like you said, the golden rule, it's all right there. Uh, he who has the gold makes the rules. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling in this morning. Uh, appreciate that. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
4: Hey, yeah, this is Wes from Anchor Point.
2: Hey, Wes, what's on your mind?
4: Well, I'll tell you what. I've got it old, but uh, we got to call them what they are uh the the uh rigged Democrats are gone now, all the Democrats in office now as far as I'm care are communist, and anyone who joins them is communist and uh and the is coming from China and Russia it's coming from all over the world to destroy this country because they've got to get rid of us totally before they can totally consume the whole world and uh, it's just a shame. I feel sorry for the children for the future and uh I don't know what else to say. I just, they're communists, period. All right. Uh, Thank you very much for your program.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you calling in. Uh, Let's go. One more call. I see that uh, Rob uh, is in the uh, green room. Let me go over here. One final call before we go over to Rob. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
1: Carlene in Kodiak.
2: Good morning, Carlene. Um,
1: Michael, the obvious is that censorship helped the candidate.
2: You think being censured actually helped the candidates more than hurt them?
1: Yes, because then the Democrats voted for them i
4: uh,
2: I don't know if that was a function so much of the censure as it was the the uh, you know, the support of labor union money, the hundreds of thousands of dollars of labor union money that poured in there, and the fact that they were the prime candidates, every one of them was the prime candidates of the labor unions. But it probably didn't yes. hurt them in that regard.
1: Yes, that was just a thought, Michael, kind of an obvious right. observation.
2: Well, thank you, Carleen. I appreciate you calling in, my dear. Appreciate you being part of it today. Uh, thank you for <clears throat> being, uh, being with us. Let's go over here. Uh, Rob is, uh, <clears throat> Rob is uh, in the uh, green room. Let's uh, bring him on board here and see what he has to say. Uh, good morning, my friend. How are, uh, how are you doing this morning? Uh, Good morning, Michael.
5: So um, this is the downside of the citizen legislature. Um, I got home about 1230 last night. Uh, So here we go again.
2: Here we go again. That uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, you you got a lot of work to do, my friend, and I appreciate you coming on board. I know it. uh, I know it's a little uh, I know it's a little tough sometimes uh, when things go on there. How was it Were the roads super bad or did you make it back pretty quick?
5: I made it back okay yesterday. Um, I just kind of got behind over the weekend. Uh, I went did a, a run up on uh, up to Prudhoe on Thursday and Friday, and then another one Saturday, Sunday, and um, Friday and into Saturday morning. They had uh, 40 degrees and rain on top of the hardpack snow up north of uh, uh, north of the Brooks Range, and uh, so it was uh, some pretty slow going, especially on Friday. So yeah. um, it. Kind to put me behind a few hours.
2: Well, I'm glad you made it. I know that you sent me that text that said uh, I may I may be doing the show from Coldfoot, so uh, you know I'm glad I'm glad you're able to make it uh, make it back down here. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna put you back in the green room here for just a second, and uh, we're gonna hold on to you. Uh, don't go anywhere. I got your volume all adjusted, and we're gonna be ready to go. Uh, Brian says, "Be careful, be careful, Dukes." If you trash talk the Republican party too much, an edict will come down that any R's who appear in your program will be punished. What are they, okay, so I guess my question is, what are are they going to do? I mean, you know, what are they going to do to some of these people? Are they going to censure them? Guarantee their reelection? I don't know. Um. And Representative Ben Carpenter's in the chat room. Alaskans don't care what you are against, which is why censures are meaningless to anyone but a handful of the party faithful. People want to know what you stand for, which is why the R-party planks need to mean something. I would not disagree with you, my friend. I would not disagree. All right, here we go. We're going to jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Hour 2 starts right now.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
2: Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream. You'll find links to our social media, where we simulcast the radio show every morning on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And also, of course, you'll find links to the podcast, which is available every day, wherever podcasts are kept, sold, given away, etc., And, of course, just on regular old terrestrial radio around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Um, All right, let's uh, let's jump into it. We've got to start here with our guest in hour two. It is State Senator Rob Meyer, who joins us this morning. Uh, We haven't spoken to him in. Well, it's been been a hot minute or so since we've spoken to him. We haven't talked to him since the election. So let's um, let's get started. And do it right now. Good morning, sir. How are you doing?
5: Hey, good morning, Michael. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it was middle of September the last time we talked, something like that. It's been a little while.
2: Yeah, I think it was uh, during our last uh, batch of candidate interviews that we got a chance to uh, to chat with you. Uh, I do want to remind folks that this hour of the program being brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West. Whether you're up at Attigan Pass or Anaktuvik or anywhere on the road that Rob drives. Uh, all the time, oh. the folks at Satellite West can keep you connected, whether that's uh, telephone, or text messages, or email, or even surfing the internet. They've got the technology to keep you in contact, regardless of where you are in the state, from Attigan to ADAC. Um They've got it. Uh, they've got you all squared away. Uh, give them a call or find them at satellitewest.com. Thank you for sponsoring the program. All right, Rob. Well, I guess first things first. Um, your reaction to the election to begin with, I guess we'll start with the election and we'll move on from there to um, we'll move on from there. So your reaction to the pink tinkle instead of the red wave, I guess, across the uh, across the whole state. And we'll start there.
5: Well, I'm, I mean, um, I, I was primarily watching the Senate, uh, of course, since that's what affects me the most. Um, I was watching some of the races around uh, around Fairbanks as well. Uh, as far as the House goes, but I wasn't quite keeping up with the House races across the state. Um, as far as the Senate goes, I think Shelly Hughes was out there in September, October telling people we got five races across the state that are going to determine uh, which way the Senate goes. And we lost four of those. Plus, we lost another one that we thought we had in the bag. So, um, you know, pretty much everything went um, the way we had, not, we had hoped it would not go. Right.
2: It um, went as badly as it could possibly go pretty much.
5: Just about. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, I think there were a lot of factors involved there. Ranked choice voting was certainly part of it. Uh, but some of it was redistricting. Some of it was poor candidate quality in a couple of spots. Um, you know, a couple of things like that. So, you know, I don't, I don't think you can necessarily lay this all at the feet of rank choice voting. It certainly didn't help. Um, but you know, I, I think there were a lot of factors involved there you know we we lost some head-to-head races too we didn't just lose um you know we didn't just lose republican on republican races or, or anything like that so um there was there was a lot going on
2: what do you think was the re i mean i mean from both the state aspect and also from the national aspect because they were expecting a red wave and uh, mm-hmm. and it just it just didn't appear um any thoughts as to why we didn't see that kind of uh that kind of push?
5: Well, I, I'm I'm still not quite sure what exactly happened at the national level. Um, you know, it 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 it, it kind of is starting to look one of these things of we're not happy with Joe Biden, but we're not happy with the alternative either. Is is kind of the direction that seems to be going, um, and we're seeing a little bit of that in the state. I think as well. Um, uh, you know, you you read that uh, note from Ben Carpenter uh, during the break there, where he said, you know, basically the the Republican Party has to stand for something. We can't just say what we're against and i think that that's a lot of the problem with what's going on you know when i was talking to some people during an organization a couple of weeks ago um you know i had a couple of people tell me well we can't let the democrats be in charge and you know my question was why and they said well well cuz they're the democrats and i said yeah but but we're the republicans what does that mean that has to stand something it has to mean for something and until we get that you know republican message out i think we're we're going to be in some hot water for a while you know what does is it, what does it mean to have an R at the end of your name there, you know, that used to come with a set of assumptions about a candidate. And, and it seems like a lot of those are breaking down.
2: I would, uh, I would agree. I mean, part of this is definitely uh, an educational component of, uh, you know, what is, what does it stand for? And it doesn't help us when we suppose, you know, when Republicans supposedly stand for something and then yet at the end, they, you know, party members don't hold up to that. I mean, that, that just seems to be, I mean, hence the censures and everything else. But I mean, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's it gonna what is it gonna take uh to get that back, uh, you know, get that back on board.
5: Yeah, you know, I mean it's uh, you know, kind of kind of one analogy to think about is that for 20, 30 years there, give or take, uh, you know, we've we've kind of had this definition of Bush Democrat in the uh in the legislature of Uh, You know, Democrats that are out in the Bush, you run as a Democrat out in the Bush because if you don't run as a Democrat, you can't win. Uh, But then however the organization happens, the Bush Democrats would always be in the majority. And so that that, you know, that was one way, you know, for example, in the House, you could take a 24 member uh, Republican majority and turn it into a 27, 28 member majority total, um, which looks good for your numbers. But I think now maybe we're starting to see some of the flip side of that on the Republican side, that there are some places around this state that are so deep red uh, that you can't win as a Democrat. You can't win if you got a D at the end of your name. And people figured that out. And so they ran as Republicans instead. And this is this is the result. You know, as we were talking back in September, um, you know, I, I think the Republican Party in the state of Alaska by and large is um, pretty conservative on most of the social issues, but the Republican Party as a whole and at the top was never really that um, conservative to begin with. When it when it comes to the the fiscal issues, and you know, really, it's the fiscal issues that are causing the rifts right now uh, within the party itself. So um, I, I think that you know, again, there's there's kind of got to be some some soul searching and some and a little bit of reckoning uh within the Republican Party within the conservatives in the state uh over the next couple of years.
2: Well, I mean, let's face it, we haven't had to deal with fiscal conservatism up until the last 15 years. I mean, really, I mean, there's been a few swings, but up until that point, there was never really this overarching spend, 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 which is what we have now. And, of course, we've got a whole bunch of Republicans in there now who are basically, um, you know, the only way to spend, uh, you know, that we should be in control of all the money. We being the the politicians should be in control of all the money. Forget about the PFD. Forget about anything else. We've cut it to the bone. We can't cut anymore. Um, and yet they're spending, you know, fifteen, sixteen thousand $16,000 for every man, woman and child in the state. That's insane.
5: Yeah. And, you know, I, I you know, one thing I, I have told a lot of people about is that, you know, up until about 2015, 2016, you know, the, these rifts, these, these differences of opinion have been in the party for a long time and have been in the state for a long time, but we had enough money for a while that you could just kind of paper over the cracks. Oh, okay. Well, we're, we, we don't necessarily agree with each other, but, you know, we'll hand out a little money here, a little money here. Everybody's kind of happy. You know, we can we can get along for a while. Um, that doesn't work anymore. And so this is the result that we're seeing.
2: Rob Myers is our guest state senator from District. It was B. Now it's R. Q. I Q. am now Q. Your Q. Sorry, I couldn't remember Q. Uh, <laughs> District Q. Uh, up in the interior, uh, we're talking about the results of the uh, of the election, and uh, you know how it was surprising to many of us. We thought uh, things would change. Uh, how much do you think that the, the that the um, the divisiveness that we're seeing? How many people between the divi- the divisiveness of politics and the confusion over ranked choice voting? I mean how many do you, how many people do you think just threw their hands up in the air because we saw it was one of the lowest recorded voter turnouts ever for a general election what what are you you know what are your thoughts on that um you know as you go through
5: well, Suzanne danning had a piece she put out uh was it yes was it I think it was sometime over the weekend um where she was looking at the turnout and comparing that to party registration and to see who showed up at the polls. And it was very interesting. Republican turnout across the state dropped slightly, but not much. It was just a percentage point or two. Um, Democrat turnout across the state dropped some, uh, a little bit more. It was three, four, five percent, something like that. Non or undeclared nonpartisan turnout, though, dropped significantly. It was something closer to 10 percent drop off compared to she was comparing to 2018. You know, that being right. the last midterm,
2: which was also and, a, that was also a, a historically low number, by the way. 2018
5: was already low. Right. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, y- you got a point there about, you know, if the if it's the divisiveness that's turning people off. Um, you know, if if the party faithful on both sides are still largely making it out, but the guys in the middle are the ones that aren't, um, and remember, that's still, you know, that's half the state, uh, at least as far as party registrations go, then, you know, I mean, the divisiveness may be a significant issue. I don't know. I'd let, I'd, I'd be interested to see some, some polling on that, you know, I'd, a couple of, you know, news stories, something like that. Well,
2: and I think also the confusion and the frustration over ranked choice voting probably contributed to that as well, um, because I'm sorry.
5: I say that didn't help.
2: Yeah, no, definitely, definitely didn't help. Um, We're coming up on the break here, and uh, I do want to get into a discussion about uh, what is with the majority and everything else. Um, But anyway, final thoughts on the election itself before we uh, before we jump to break and come back to the other.
5: Well, I think we've got a little soul searching to do, um, particularly within the Republican Party over the next uh, couple of years. Um, you know, we can do something to to right the ship, to try to come up with something more of a unified message, uh, or we're looking at uh, a couple of different possibilities. One is, you know, I said that you know some some places you can't run as an as a D and win, and you know maybe some people are going to maybe that maybe that changes maybe we recognize that we're more purple than we realized and some people that have been republicans bolt and join the democrat party or alternately it could go the other way around it could be people that are on the more conservative end uh bolt the republican party um could go either way all right rob uh, myers is our guest
2: we're going to continue here in just a moment it is the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio We will return with more Senator Rob Myers right after this.
4: What is that?
0: Common Sense.
2: Regularly heard on American Radio. Michael Duke Show. Radio. Radio. Okay, we're in the break right now. Uh Rob Myers is our guest, and uh we're gonna we're gonna come back to that. Ranked choice voting, this is probably one of the most disappointing aspects of this election, Rob, because I really think that ranked choice voting should um, you know, that they should be repealed. I know that there's been a discussion as to whether it should be modified or repealed, but I mean the the, the of course the biggest component of this is the jungle primary that you know it's almost like i could live with the rank choice component of it but the jungle primary part is what really screws us in the beginning um but i think a full repeal would have been good and i know a lot of candidates were talking about it um what and i know that you've been working with the uh, alaskans for honest elections a lot and honest governments is two different it's the kind of a a joint group there what are your thoughts on that? And I'm sure we'll revisit this during the radio, but I kind of it's, it's on my mind. So
5: I wanted to ask it now. So I, I know there's going to be a push. You know, I spoke at a, an event that Alaskans for uh, Honest Elections put uh, put together here in Fairbanks uh, last Wednesday. Um, they've already got the signatures done and they've got it, the petition submitted to the uh, to the Division of Elections for the first round, because there's the way that these things work is there's two rounds. Uh, first round is you submit 100 signatures with your petition language, um, and that part has been done. Now it, the Division of Elections has two months to go over it and make sure that uh, all the eyes are dotted and the Ts are crossed. And then uh, they turn around and they will give them the signature book so they can go out and collect, you know, do the big signature push uh, that that we're all used to. And uh, they got to get 10% of the turnout from the last general election. So that put them at uh, what, 22, 23,000 signatures, something like that, that they need. Um, And, you know, I I think you're right. I think, you know, that, that when this thing was pushed on us, you know, obviously a lot of it was the, well, it's dark money, so that's gonna be what passes the initiative. But for those that talked about the ranked choice voting aspect, you know, they gave us certain promises and they said, well, this is how ranked choice voting has worked throughout the rest of the country. These are the sorts of things that we expect. But the thing is that in most of the rest of the country, you don't have that jungle primary aspect added to it. And really the the jungle primary in a lot of ways just um, undoes a whole lot of what the ranked choice voting stuff is supposed to do. Um, you know, so for example, they say, well, it's supposed to be less negative campaigning when you have ranked choice voting. Well, you know, maybe it's less negative campaigning when you've got 12 um, candidates on a ballot because if you're third, as people start getting eliminated, you start pulling in second, second, third, fourth place votes here and there. When there's only four on the ballot, though, after the jungle primary, the issue is is not, hey, where can I get second and third place votes? Part of the, the psychology of it becomes, I can't, I need to be in that top two, because if you're not in that top two, you can't win. So I can't, I I have to pull down one of my other opponents so that I'm not third or fourth. And so you saw Nick Begich swiping at Sarah, you saw Bill Walker swiping at Mike Dunleavy, you saw, you know, et et cetera, um, you know, on down the line, you know, and you didn't see that necessarily at the, at the uh, quite so much in the, in the legislative races, but that's because half of the legislative races were just two people anyway. Um, but you know, so that's just one example of, of how the, the, the things that they said rank choice voting would make better in a lot of ways it made worse because of the jungle primary.
2: Um, James in the chat room says the problem runs deeper. Those in the ARP CBC who voted to lift the sanctions are the very ones previously in control of the primary paid for by the state before ranked choice voting. If Alaskans ditch the ARP in disgust and ranked choice voting is repealed, the CBC gets even more concentrated power. Their control once again would be galvanized even more via their brand of endorsements and the ARP punishment doled out to non-endorsed candidates who sometimes are far more conservative than their CBC cronies. Um I mean, I think there is something to that. I mean, part of this problem is, is that there is an established power structure inside the Republican Party that seems to run contrary in some ways to what the uh, citizens wish. we got about 20 seconds
5: here. Uh, To some extent, yes. But then again, I won our primary two years ago. So,
2: yeah, I mean, it can happen. That's for sure. Um, All right. Let's uh, let's jump back into it. The Michael Duke show. Common sense radio. All right, uh, that uh, we're the fights on. That's what it means. the Fights on. Uh, we're going to jump into this now. Rob Myers is our guest, uh, state senator from District Q. Uh, we just finished talking about uh, the results of the election. We got a little bit into ranked choice voting during the break, which I'm sure we'll revisit. But now let's talk for a moment about the formation of the Senate majority, which. Uh, I mean, I had heard upwards of two or three weeks before they announced that this thing was already decided, that this was locked in stone. Uh, there was nothing else going on. I know that you and Showers and Hughes, you had made some proposals to the your Republican colleagues in the Senate and said, "Here's what we can do. You know, we can. You know, we're willing to work with you on this and this and this, and and talk about this." And yet um, you guys were basically ignored and then cut out in the cold. So give me, you know, give me the story here. Run me down on what you guys did and what your reaction is to everything that's going on now.
5: Well, looking back on it now, um, it's it's fairly obvious that organization was happening back in, shoot, August, I think, um, that, that some people were already starting to put something together. But I mean, they—I got to hand it to them—they did a pretty darn good job of keeping it quiet. Um, I heard nothing up until the election. I actually had a couple of uh, my colleagues, uh, a couple of of Senate candidates, call me uh, in October and say, "Hey, have you heard anything about organization?" I'm going, "Nope." Uh, You know, and I just kind of figured, well, um, you know, between ranked choice voting and redistricting, and the fact that we've had three Senate presidents in a row that have, uh, you know, either lost their election or stepped down. Nobody wants the job. So I guess, you know, we'll see what happens after the election. Well, apparently there was some stuff going on behind the scenes that I didn't know about. So the election was Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning while I'm sitting here, you know, kind of dealing with my post-election hangover. Um, I, I get a phone call and, uh, and saying, Hey, we're putting together an organization. Um, our, you know, and, and, you know, nobody said anything bad about Myers. They, they thought, you know, we, we can work with Myers. But uh, the question is, are you OK with the binding caucus? And I said, I'm going to have a problem with that. You know, I, I ran hard against the binding caucus two years ago. And if that's going to be the organizing principle that I have to give up my vote and give up my voice at the very beginning of it, I'm going to have to uh, I'm going to have to demur. And uh, so that was Wednesday, and uh, you know, over the course of the next week, week and a half, um, Mike Shower, Shelley Hughes, and I, you know, kind of put together a, a, a little statement about you know what we would be okay with. Um, but really, I got that phone call on Wednesday, and from what I can tell, by Friday it was effectively a done deal. Um, and you know, when I was talked to on Wednesday, it wasn't clear if it was. Uh, bipartisan, or if it was just a Senate majority, we were shunting a couple of people to the side, you know, a a Republican majority and shunting a couple of people to the side. It wasn't made clear to me so much. And, uh, but I, I don't, you know, I think that, that within just a few days of the election there, it was largely figured out. Maybe they hadn't figured out who the chairmen were yet of the the committees, but, but otherwise um, it sounds like there was agreement already within just a couple of days and my understanding is that when you guys did
2: put your proposal forward which uh if you would i mean i would like you to go over a couple of the points because I've, i've i've learned a couple of the points of your proposal that you put forward but my understanding is it was crickets. It was radio silence. I mean, nobody even responded. I think Shelley said one person uh, contacted her and said, we're not interested in working with you uh, kind of thing. Um, but, you know, tell, tell me exactly what kind of radical agenda you and Showers and Hughes put forward that was so shocking that they just basically ignored you.
5: <laughs> I mean, it wasn't much. Um, you know, we, we said we wanted the uh, the PFD to be in a separate bill, not just an amendment to the budget. Um, because I mean, we, we knew just looking at the election results, we knew we don't have the numbers for, for a PFD, even getting a 50, 50 right now, you're looking at maybe seven votes in out of the the 20 in the Senate. And, um, you know, so we, you know, basically we, the idea was, well, we want to put that out there so that it's a, it's a, a separate vote, a separate bill, um, uh, just to, to, you know, make it clear, uh, because, you know, we can't vote yes on a budget that's got, uh, less than a, a statutory or less than a 50, 50 PFD in it. Um, we might be persuaded to vote for a budget if the PFD was dealt with separately. Um, <clears throat> you know, so that was, that was one thing. Um, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a whole lot be, besides that, you know, we were just asking for, um, asking for a couple of things to be pulled out separate. Uh, we asked for there to be discussions beforehand about what the overall uh, size of the budget would be so that we go to it and, uh, uh, you know, we go into it in in April and it's not just, you know, whatever we think we should add to it. It It's going to be, oh, okay, well, this is going to be the size of the budget. So if we're going to add something, we're going to take something out. Right. Um, you know, and, and you know, just just to keep the growth down um you know the the what we've seen is the state has a propensity to spend every dollar it can get its hands on you know so the only growth or the only limit to government growth really in this state is when the government runs out of money um so we said well let's try to put an upper limit on it um uh, i understand that the uh the house had an agreement like that oh eight ten years ago and if the if they were going to uh Go above that limit, then it, rather than just saying, "Well, it's a binding caucus," you're gonna you're gonna vote for it anyway. It was well. Let's sit down and talk about that as a caucus. We're we're expanding the limit for this specific reason. So let's uh, let's go ahead and uh and and agree to that as a caucus before we put it out on the floor. You know, and that, that's the sort of thing that 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 we wanted. We wanted to actually have a discussion about what we as a caucus stand for rather than just saying, well, we've got an R at the end of their name. So, you know, so we'll we'll make a, we'll, we'll make a caucus. Um, You know, that's, it's interesting to me that that's what didn't happen two years ago. We didn't sit down and say, what do we stand for? What's our goals? What's our principles? Um, And, but then the, um, I was trying to find it. I, I couldn't find the press release. Uh, from the the new majority uh, that they have said that these are what their goals are. So I'm sitting here going, well, you you couldn't find goals with your fellow Republicans, but you could find goals with the Democrats. Eh. So it, it's a little troubling.
2: Yeah, no, definitely a little troubling, and a little <clears throat> a little troubling that this is was going on for so long before you guys were even uh, before it was even discussed with you. Uh, you know, and I know that. They were never going to bring try and bring Shower into the fold. But, uh, you know, Shelly Hughes, uh, you, know, uh, she's, you know, she's pretty level-headed. She's not uh, – uh, but, again, just this whole reaction it was just so shocking when this whole thing came out. Uh, and what I really find interesting is because I kept asking about this last – the end of the last session. I kept asking um, – uh, I think I asked you. I think I asked Shelly. I asked Mike, you know you're not getting things done in the in the caucus that's there what about another caucus and they're like well no you know we can't we couldn't possibly join with a democrat and then the next thing you know you guys are you know now you're in broom closets for the rest of the session uh doing your thing um yeah was there was there any way to avoid this in your mind i mean when you looked at this or was this kind of a done deal because of the powers
5: that be i the the way that the election went i think this was largely a foregone conclusion. You know, I I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I was telling people back in in June that this was a possibility. And you know, I I lined, up, lined out a couple of races that I was watching that might make it flip one way or the other. I mean, because we already knew that it was already going to start moving in that direction because redistricting effectively flipped us from 13 Republicans to 12, uh, because two Republicans got paired up and then an empty Senate seat got created in East Anchorage that was a heavily blue district. So we already knew that we were gonna go down from 13 down to, to 12. Uh, and then uh, the the Mia Costello, uh, Matt Clayman race put us down to 11, and you start getting down to those numbers and it gets really easy to flip uh, to, a, to a coalition. When the first coalition got formed uh, in, what was that, 2006, um, these were the numbers as well: eleven Republicans and, and nine Democrats. And uh, so I'm it, just the the way the election went. It's disappointing, but it's not surprising.
2: Rob Myers is our guest, state senator from District Q. So, um, game game this out for me, uh, Rob. What do you think is? Uh, I mean, you know, you're looking at it. I mean, what are you and Mike and Shelly going to do? You guys going to be in the basement playing tiddlywinks while you watch this whole thing go down? Have there been any committee assignments for you yet? Or, um, I mean, because it's not an official majority, right? An official majority has to have five or more members. Then you're guaranteed some seats on some of these committees. But because you're a minority of three, they don't have to do jack for you. So what what's the, you know, give me the give me the rundown on that. <clears throat>
5: Well, so far, um, so you're right. If we had five members of a minority, we'd um, have some power. We'd have a at least one seat at the finance table, and uh, all of our members would probably have probably three committee assignments. You might have one or two members with just two. Um, but as it stands, um, we're getting. It looks like we're getting one committee assignment apiece, um, and uh, probably low-level committees at that. And so, you know, in in my mind, this gives me a lot of time to think, a lot of time to think, a lot of time to plan and uh, see what happens uh, going towards 2024, you know, maybe talk a little bit more about that unified message, about that message, you know, that message of what do we as Republicans stand for? Is there, you know, what's something that we can talk about and get and and unify across the state with uh, through the uh the 2024 election you know maybe even if it looks good enough maybe we can even you know get some house members involved with it as well um that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm thinking about here I'm I'm looking at, at where I can still uh, have a voice in you know the one committee I'm on in the uh, the one finance subcommittee I'm probably going to end up on uh in uh you know on the floor you know, different places where I can still stand up and at least say something, even if the votes are, you know, almost guaranteed to go against me every time. But um, that's kind of what I'm thinking here is, is this is the, uh, this is the rebuilding year in, in some ways. And what do we do uh, moving forward?
2: You mentioned it earlier, and I'll be honest, I've said this a few times since the election, but I've come to this startling conclusion. uh, And it really was literally startling to me, that uh i appear to be in the minority of what alaskans believe um i have always considered alaska to be a red state with some blue speckled in there you know around the big urban areas and things like that but i always considered it overall to be a pretty red state you mentioned it earlier that we seem to be more purple than uh we used to be um Give me some thoughts on that. What, you know, why, why have we turned more purple? And I know this goes partially back to what you were talking about earlier with fiscally conservative, excuse me, fiscally, uh, socially conservative, but fiscally neutral or liberal. Um, But, you know, give me your thoughts on the way that state is changing and why. And I mean, should I be concerned that I'm in the minority now uh, as far as, uh, you know, wanting to be fiscally conservative?
5: Well, I started to think that about 2019, uh, that people like you and I are are in the minority uh, across the state. And because I watched what happened with uh, Governor Dunleavy's first budget, and then that became the budget vetoes and the Wasilla special session and the recall and all of that put together. And I, I think honestly, I think he would have survived the recall. But I think that a lot of that's because there were uh, a lot of people coming out and saying, I disagree with the governor but this is not what we should be doing a recall over. So, you know, some people would have been voting no on the recall because they agreed with the governor. Some people would have been voting no on the recall because they, um, uh, they, they think that, uh, you know, that that's the wrong way to handle it. And, you know, the governor made a statement uh, with the budget uh, this year after doing a few vetoes or kind of around the margins um, where he said this is the budget you know, this is largely the budget that Alaskans expect or something to that effect anyway. And I, I mean, I, as much as I hate to say it, I think he's probably right. You know, we have been a state that for the last 50 odd years have expected to have fairly large state spending and have structured a large portion of our economy around that. And, So, you know, we had the the um, yeah, we've we've had the state spending coming down, you know, basically the state rakes in oil money and then figures out ways to hand that out. Um, And then, you know, we've we've had the dividend along the side kind of slowly building over the last, you know, 35, 40 years now. Um, But, you know, when push came to shove again, because we didn't have the money to paper over the cracks anymore. Um, you know, oil production it has been dropping. It's a quarter of what it used to be. Um, oil prices had been dropping, and we know oil prices are going to drop next year uh, as well. It's it's kind of inevitable. Um, <clears throat> just a question of how far and how fast. And uh, you know, we we don't have the ability to do that anymore. the The old model is broken, and the question is, do we? salvage the old model and prop it up with the permanent fund or do we find a new model of how our government runs and how we expect our government to to interact with the public and interact with the economy as a whole
2: rob myers is our guest uh senator for district q uh up in the interior and uh we're going to uh we're going to take a quick break here and uh, be jumping back into that here in just a second Um, The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll continue with Rob Meyer. One final segment, Dead Ahead. Back with more right after this.
3: Our light, our guide,
0: and our trusted
2: friend. sorry about that i lost my mouse for a second it was like now that i got all the screens up here i'm like where the hell is the mouse pointer i can't anyway i finally found it uh so it's the one problem i got doubled my real estate and i can't find the, the can't find the pointer um all right rob meyer is uh our guest oh, yeah, the is the what was that
5: I said, the more stuff you have, the harder it is to find your stuff.
2: I know it's, it's crazy, but I mean, it is a lot better now. I mean, I, I showed, uh, I don't know if you saw the picture earlier, but I, uh, I did, uh, I, I did show around for those of you who didn't see the, uh, who didn't see the picture. I'll show you. This is, uh, the, whoops. Where'd my, uh, where'd my picture go? Oh, it's right. Uh, uh, right there. Um, this is the new this is the new look for uh broadcast central here um I used to have all those different windows were on two screens and so you can imagine that it was uh it was a little bit difficult but uh now we've got uh now we've got a, a little bit of a better setup uh but it does come with its own challenges i' mean I'm not complaining at all but uh it is are you um definitely
5: are are you are you doing Air traffic control part-time, too, now?
2: Yeah, exactly. Somebody asked me if I was a stock trader or something. I was like, that looks like a stock trader screen. It could be. It could be. (laughs) Maybe I could do something in my spare time with that. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I have discovered that, you know, I can't work too these monitors up here. I can't work on them too long because I get a crick in my neck. So... But uh, at least I can hold the stuff up there that only needs to be looked at occasionally. Um, all right, we're going to uh, uh, we're going to uh, continue here with Rob in just a second, and we're going to get predictions on some of the big items that we're talking about. But I I, I think I like what you're saying, Rob, about this being a building year. Uh, this might be you know this might be the pause that refreshes, right? I mean, this might be that moment of. Uh, You know, self-reflection that we decide, you know, how do we how do we keep fighting this fight? How do we keep doing it? Because, you know, obviously, you know, the charter changes. Um, These were things that I thought, you know, if we could do these things. And I always thought that that number one changing the players would work. Um, But we changed out over a third of the legislature and nothing changed. I mean, and now we're up probably almost a half. Nothing changed, uh, in that whole time. Um, I mean, very little.
5: I, I didn't, I haven't looked at the numbers and gone back to check it, uh, to count this election into it. I was looking at from 2016 to 2021. we changed out 39 out of 60. Um, and this year we've got Oh, crud. Let's see. I think I just saw it last night. We've got 17 new House members uh, for this election alone. Um, you know, 17 out of 40 in just the House. And in the Senate, we've got six or seven new uh, new members uh, compared to last year. Um, you know, I, I mean, if we're changing out a third of each body, um, I think that we've kind of come to the end of how much uh, changing the players is, is going to do. Uh, well, I would, you know, I agree with it in, in principle. I think that a lot of what happened between 2016 and now was changing out the players so that they accurately reflected the districts. Now, now I think that, you know, with, maybe with a couple of exceptions, the players probably reflect their districts. Um, so, the, the problem in my mind isn't so much in the legislature. It's what do the people of Alaska want? What are the structural issues that are causing the problems that we're finding? Um, you know, this isn't just, a, hey, the, the legislature isn't doing what the people want. This time around, maybe the legislature actually is doing what the people want, and we're just on the losing end of it.
2: What are your thoughts on uh, term limits for the legislature? I mean, would that have helped? I mean, would that have made a difference? Because again, we've got some, we've got some of the powers that be in there, and they've been in there. For, I mean, Gary Stevens has been in there for twenty-six years or something. Uh, I mean, Bert sedman has been in there for you know well over a decade and a half. So,
5: I mean, you know, what, what are we? You know, what what are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, in, in general, I'm in favor of term limits. I think the idea of, for for a couple of reasons, one is getting the, the idea of getting new blood, new ideas in there. Um, the the other one is because I I think it kind of reminds people that, you know, kind of like the citizen legislator concept, this is the same idea. It reminds you that when you leave the legislature, you actually have to go back to something, um, that, that, you know, there, there will be an end to this. So keep that in mind. but I, I think that, you know, what, what we're seeing in, in a lot of places is, is you know, people that um, retired or got beaten get replaced by, you know, somebody that's, you know, fairly similar or maybe even a little bit more liberal. So, uh, you know, I think that there's got to be some recognition there that uh, there's limits to what term limits can accomplish, too. I, th- I think, right. that, you know, if we had term limits, it'd do some good things, but let's not expect more out of it than it can provide.
2: Right, well, and as you said, you you know they're starting to reflect their own districts more and more, and Alaska is turning a little more blue. I mean, a little purple—that's uh, for sure. Uh, all right, Rob Myers is our guest. Let's get back into it. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based. All right uh we're continuing now one final segment with uh rob myers our guest uh senator from district q up in the interior formerly district b uh he won his re-election and uh, immediately got sidelined by the majority um you know put in his little closet with his dunce hat on and said you know think about what you've done and uh put you in the closet and uh and there there you go uh, are you guys gonna end up with any staff? I mean, are you gonna have a, you guys gonna get staff or anything else? Or are they putting you in the broom closets for real?
5: Well, um, we've we've got staff. We've got standard minority staff, a two apiece. piece. Um, I've still got my two staff that I've had over the summer, so I'm not gonna have any changes. Um, I guess uh, Shelly was telling me she's had quite a bit of turnover in her staff already, anyway. So she's not quite sure what she's gonna do. I don't know about Mike either. Um, He and I haven't really talked about that. Um, So we'll get we'll have staff. Um, I'm sure we'll end up in probably the smallest offices in the in the legislature or or well, in the Senate anyway, because you've got some offices reserved for Senate and some reserved for House. Um, But, you know, we'll we'll end up in the smallest offices and we'll get real cozy and, uh, (laughs) you know, get get really Get get real used to how each other sound and 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 smell while we're while we're at it.
2: Right, it'll be the morning coffee clutch as you guys sit around there and uh, and and hang out. All right, well, I'm going to ask you to put on your. That'll be in my uh, office. Yeah, in your office. Uh, I'm going to ask you to put on your turban. Yeah, I got the Keurig. Yeah, you got the Keurig. That's not real coffee. Um, all right. Um, I, sorry, A little snobbery there. Um, I'm going to ask you to put on your, <laughs> your turban and break out your crystal ball play the great Creskin for us. Yep. And uh, let's talk about the upcoming session. Uh, let me talk about the issues that I think are important to most conservatives. Um, you know, what's going to happen. Give me a, give me a prediction on, you know, the PFD, give me a prediction on, you know, rank choice voting, whether that's even going to be brought up. Uh, give me a prediction on the size of the budget, what I mean, what are you what are you predicting that's going to especially with the fact that there's going to be a binding caucus in the Senate and potentially if there's a coalition, a binding caucus in the House? Um, you know, so those are really kind of, I think, the big three items uh, that uh, I think people are concerned about um, and have the biggest effect on the overall economy. So let's uh, let's talk about those three things. Give me give me your projections, your predictions here.
5: Well, I mean, you're right um, that we don't know what's going to happen in the House side yet. And that's going to have a big impact on on the final product, um, especially with regard to the uh, the operating budget, because that always starts on the House side and then moves over to the Senate. And um, so, you know, some of this is going to be up in the air because of that. But um, I mean, as I said earlier, I think on the PFD, you you go through and you count noses and you're looking at, I think, seven votes out of 20 that are uh, PFD friendly. Um, as far as I can tell, uh, unless somebody's hiding something that I don't know about. Um, but that's, you know, so we're, we're not looking good in the PFD on the Senate side. Um, as far as the budget goes, as strange as it sounds, I think the capital budget might actually go down a little bit. Um, but the operating budget probably goes up. Um, I think that, that, you know, by and large, you've got to, the Senate majority is a coalition of, of big spenders. Um, and so they're gonna try to, you know, with, with a couple of exceptions, but um, I think that there's a good chance you see the operating budget go up coming out of the Senate. Um, you know, we've already heard the talk about education and, you know, let's increase the BSA and things like that. Of course, you don't hear anything about, well, let's, let's uh, you know, actually fix education and make it so that it works. Um, I've had a member of my staff Uh, the last couple of weeks doing a little research and going back to the, I think she started about the late nineties. You look at Alaska's performances on the the standardized tests. And then you look at how much money we've been putting out there and our, our ranking has been steadily dropping Uh, 20 odd years ago. We were right about middle of the pack in the country. And now we're at the bottom while the money has been going up. Um, if you took the, the I think it was the 2000 budget and just inflation indexed it, we'd actually be spending about $200 million less on education than we are right now. Um, so there's, you know, there, there's that disconnect. Um, you know, so I, I expect us to, I expect a, a BSA increase bill to come out of the Senate. Um, I expect uh, there to be a push on the defined benefit uh, plan coming back. I don't know if that'll pass or not, but I expect there to be a pretty big push for it. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's not looking pretty. And I think you had a third one in there that I'm, I forgot.
2: Well, I was talking about rank choice voting, which I know Gary Stevens said in his quote that, uh, you know, that they may take uh, blah, blah, blah. I just, I, you know, if anything, I mean, you know, a quarter or third of the people that got voted in there got voted in there because of ranked choice voting. So I don't know exactly how interested they would be in removing their path to reelection.
5: Right. Yeah, I don't. You know, looking at the Senate side, um, you know, so we've got 11 Republicans and nine Democrats. I'm trying to remember, but I don't think a single Democrat won because of ranked choice. I think they all won because they all hit the 50% threshold to begin with. Um, and, but you've got a significant number of Republicans that won because of ranked choice voting. You got Kathy Geisel and Jesse Bjorkman. Um, uh, I'm wanting to say one or two others, but I'd have to go back and look at the numbers again. Uh, so, you know, we, we, you know, by and large, the Democrats have said that they like the ranked choice voting, whether that's actually how they feel, I, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but you know, they've said they like it and they're not going to repeal it. And on the Republican side, you've got a few people that have won because of it. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't see that going anywhere. You know, I think that the, the most you'll hear out of ranked choice voting out of the legislature is if we get the, the, uh, initiative going, uh, what, you know, the, we're required to hold hearings on anything that's going on to the ballot, just so that we're kind of aware of it. I think that's probably the only action you're going to see on ranked choice voting in the Senate, at least
2: let's go back to the PFD for a second. Um, care to project what you think we're actually going to end up with. I mean, I know it's, I've already seen Kathy Geisel say the largest dividend that we can afford.
5: Um, I mean. Well, we know that we, we know what that means in the long run. The largest dividend that we can afford means that in the long run we will continue to increase spending, uh, so that five or six years down the line, or maybe sooner, the the PFD is effectively gone. Um, you know, it, it. You know, I think we're we're kind of back in the the thousand dollar PFD range. It, you know, if the house goes. Uh, goes Republican, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more than that I, in after the negotiations. I, I I don't know at this point. Um, it's not looking pretty.
2: No, I mean, I I think Tuckerman Babcock said um, at one point right after the election, he said something like, you know, expect to receive a PFD that's 30 percent or less uh, of what you have been receiving uh, and uh, and everything else. Um, this is, you know, I, I think this is difficult and and that's the problem is that they're going to consume all of the PFD and then there will be any more money to draw from. There will be no more pots of money to draw from. And so where do we go from there?
5: Well, I mean, that's, that's one thing I was trying to tell some people during the election, uh, this year is the pattern in this state has always been, uh, at least since the seventies the and the oil money started rolling in, spend every dollar almost as fast as it comes in. And then, you know, when it comes time to tighten the belt, uh you, you come up with a little bit of Band-Aids here until you hope for the next boom. Well, I don't think the next boom is coming. Uh So instead, what's going to happen is we're going to spend the PFD until it's gone. And then after that, as you said, we're out of pots of money, but I don't think we're going to have the will to cut. So, you know, we're going to have, we're, we're going to end up with a tax, whether that means... Uh, a big oil tax or a broad based tax or both possibly, um, you know, that, that's going to be your, your pots of money that are left is it's going to have to take some action by the legislature. And so, you know, the, the people that have spent the last five, six, seven years saying, you know, I'll give up my PFD if it means that I won't get a tax. Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to lose your PFD and get taxed anyway. That That's the direction that we're heading here because we have no fiscal restraint. We've
2: become so tax averse in this state that we can't consider any other options. And I know there's been an argument for having a tax because you know, it's taxation without representation or representation without taxation. And I have I have thrown that idea out to say well, maybe we should embrace a tax then and at least be able to choose which poison we're going to take. Maybe we take the flat tax versus a progressive tax. what are your thoughts on that? Would that be something that you would champion or at least consider? I mean what what you know what because w- if we get ahead of it maybe we can slow it down. I don't know.
5: you know we, we have to think about it we have to you know and one one of the I've been running a lot of numbers the last year or so one of the scariest things to me is looking at what happens with a government based on a tax versus a government based on uh, the permanent fund as the primary revenue source? The permanent fund grows almost 50% faster than our economy does. So that means you can have a government that can grow 50% faster than the economy. That's pretty scary to me.
2: Senator Rob Myers has been our guest. Uh, Rob, thanks for coming on board and joining us as always. It's a pleasure. I appreciate you coming out and uh, being part of it today. I'll hold the line, Rob. You Folks. Bet. Always good to see you, Michael. Yep. Hold on for just a second. Folks, we're out of time. Tomorrow, Brad Keithley, Chris Story. We'll see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Be kind, love one another, live well. All right, so for the big burning question that we didn't get a chance to ask, Rob, what does your shirt say? I survived what? Snowmageddon. Snowmageddon. What year was that? Was that... Which, 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 this
5: is from uh last December when we had the, the two feet of snow with the inch of freezing rain in the middle of it. Oh, okay. back in between Christmas and New Year's.
2: Whenever I think Snowmageddon, I think of uh, the it was 91, 92, 91, no, 90, must have been 90. And that's when we had 167 inches of snow or something. It was that was insane. That was Snowmageddon for me. Uh, all right, Rob, <laughs> I want to give you a chance to um, you know, final thoughts here, final thoughts for the folks out there because you know, we're all we're in anguish like I said, we've just discovered many of us that we're in the minority and it just doesn't seem, I mean, the state seems to be shifting away from us. So final thoughts, Um, you know, I don't know if it's words of comfort or if it's words of, of uh, you know, that crush us, what, you know, give us your thoughts, the truth, the hard truth, give us the hard truth, Rob.
5: Well, let me, let me, uh, let me tell you a little story about something that happened last year um, and, and how that relates. It goes, to, to what you were just talking about with taxation and our fiscal situation and, and our will to cut and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it was March last year. Uh, Shelley Hughes put in a bill to update uh, the terms of our of our state's interest in uh, doing a uh, national constitutional convention to put in a balanced budget amendment. Um, and it, uh, we, we had passed this originally. I think it was in like 2013. Um, but it had, it had a sunset on it and there were a couple of things she was want, want to change in it. So she put the bill in, it never went anywhere, but over the course of the week or so after she put that bill in, I got a bunch of emails and I don't think any of them for, were from within the state. They were all from out of state. Um, but it said, this is a bad idea because obviously we have no will to cut our budget at the federal level. So if we have a balanced budget amendment. The only result of that, that the inevitable result is, it's going to be increased increased taxes. And I kind of looked at that and I said, well, at least we'd be honest about what we're spending, in 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 <laughs> right. at the national level, right? <laughs> you know, for the first time in forty odd years, uh, because we we have had ever increasing spending since the Clinton years, and whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, they They find ways to spend it. It's just a question of what they're spending it on. And uh, I don't I think the last time we had a major tax increase in this country was 93 under under Clinton, something like that. Um, And, you know, so, okay, now we're talking about another population that is tax averse. I don't care what else happens. Just don't tax me. Um, And, you know, it's it's really telling to me because, you know, we're looking at the national level, comparing it to the state level. And saying at the national level, they're doing with debt what we're doing at the state level with the permanent fund. Um, in in you know, I mean, the dividend is another story, but but just looking at the effect on the the government's budget, that's effectively what's going on here. And so we need to start thinking about those things in similar ways. You know, we we have to be at the national level. We have to be honest about our spending and where it comes from and what the effects of, of those, those revenues are at the, the national level, whether it's taxation or whether it's borrowing or, or anything like that, um, we, we have to be honest about that. And at the state level, we have to be honest about that. You know, As you said, we've become so tax averse that, uh, you know, that it's do whatever you want, just don't tax me. Well, they've done whatever they want. And this is the, the situation that we're in. And uh, taxes are bad. They are always bad. Um, I'm I'm, I'm never going to tell you otherwise. But my question is, is there something that's worse? I think we might have found the worse than taxes at, at this point, as far as our budget goes. And it's time for us on the conservative side to have that reckoning and to, to think about that moving forward.
2: You mentioned it just right there at the end, you know, the fact that the PFD grows at 50 percent faster than the economy. Uh, and of course, it seems like the pipe dream uh, or the wet dream maybe of some of the legislators is that hundred billion dollar permanent fund where it just spins off money every year. and They don't have to be accountable to anyone. As long as it spins off money, they can do whatever they want. And as long as the Alaskan people hold up their hands and say, no taxes, you can do anything you want, just no taxes, they get carte blanche to do whatever they want. So that would be the combination of those two things, of the living on the you know permanent fund ERA draw and not having any accountability to the people because they just want to be left alone and don't want to be taxed that is the recipe for larger, bigger, badder government that grows at 50% faster than the private economy.
5: And it's, and it's also, it's also the recipe for a slow, for slowly strangling the economy. You know, we can talk about, uh, you know, if, if you look at what's, you know, some of the ballot measures, for example, that have come up over the last 20 years to, to increase the regulation on the oil industry or increase the regulation on the mining industry or something like that. And they, the, the mining industry is worried because they, they say, well, we got to every time one of these things makes it on the ballot, we got to spend millions to defeat it. And they've managed to defeat it so far every time. Well, my question is, if the state no longer needs you because we have a self-sustaining government, at what point do we stop defeating those things and we start not only growing our government, but actually shrinking the private economy outside of government because as far as the state's concerned, anyway, it's not necessary anymore. Right. At what point do we start losing that battle? And that's an even, excuse me, an even more scary thought in my book.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rob, I wish you the best of luck in the coming months. Um,
5: Wow! Check, check on me we need help yeah check, check on you, please.
2: we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do some safe space checking while you guys are down there to make sure that you're all okay what a hot hot mess my friend well keep up the good work and, and and stay the fight and uh and you know if there's anything we can do just let us know we'd love to uh we'd love to hear from you
5: I'm I'm sure I'll be back on over the next few months uh you know i'm i'll I don't, know if I, I don't know if you're going to get me to do weekly like Mike does, but uh, you well, know, I'll, I'll be back. You, I don't know. I think
2: I'm going to have a hard time getting some of these other people back on because, uh, I don't know, they just, you know, unfriendly territory, I think, is what they feel like. Although I'm a nice guy. I mean, I never beat anybody up too bad, but I really would love to talk to some of these other legislators about this stuff. All right, uh, Rob Myers, thank you, my friend. Good to talk with you. Appreciate it. We'll see you later, Michael. All right. Thanks so much. All right folks uh, that brings us uh, back to uh, tomorrow tomorrow. That's right. we're gonna be uh, doing our thing uh, with uh, Brad Keithley and Chris Story. Until then be kind. love one another and live well. We'll see us we'll see you have a great uh, have a great day. It's Monday. Enjoy yourself. We'll see you tomorrow.